0: Once again, my name is Joe Crummy, I'm one of the leaders here at the Meeting Place Church. And it's great to have you here this morning. And we as a church have been going through a whole series from the New Testament book of Acts. So if you pick up the New Testament story of Jesus, and you can read about him and Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And then the next book that comes along is the book of Acts, which tells all about, really, the early church. And after Jesus uh, returns to heaven, he gives his Holy Spirit to his followers, and we get to read the story uh, of how things happen Uh, 2,000 years ago, and then we get to learn how do we get to apply that to our lives here today. And so we're going to pick up the story again in Acts chapter 8, and if you were here with us last week, we read some of the story, and we're going to pick up a second part, and we'll draw some other things out of it. And then um, Adam Langell's going to pick up chapter 9 next week, and we read about the conversion of Saul. So lots of exciting things. And again, the context of this in chapter 8 and chapter 6, we saw in the early church uh, the apostles who are with Jesus, are get, the church is growing, things are getting kind of crazy, uh, busy, so they pick guys like Stephen and a guy named Philip, and they commission them to help do uh, a lot of the practical things. And in chapter 7, we read about Stephen and how he shares about Jesus and how that upset uh, the crowd and how he was actually killed and he was the first Christian martyr, and that scattered the Christians and, in that day. And Philip was one of them. And he went to a place called Samaria, which was a bit taboo because the Jewish people didn't quite get along with the Samaritans because they were kind of a mix of uh, Jew, Gentile, and so they didn't get along. So persecution uh, worked for good, and Philip went there, and this is where we pick up the story. So we're going to read this together, and then we'll go through some of the various things. So we'll pick it up in verse 4. Now those who were scattered went about preaching the word, and Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ, that's Jesus, And the crowds, with one accord, paid attention to what was being said by Philip when they heard him and saw the signs that he did. For unclean spirits, crying out with a loud voice, came out of many who had them, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was much joy in that city. And we talked about some of those things last week, about the kingdom of God coming, and how Jesus has all authority, and how he can cleanse people, and we have that today. So there was joy in that city. But there was a man named Simon who had previously practiced magic in the city and amazed the people of Samaria, saying that he himself was somebody great. And they all paid attention to him from the least to the greatest, saying, this man is the power of God that is called great. And they paid attention to him because for a long time he had amazed them with his magic. But when they believed Philip as he preached good news about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Even Simon himself believed And after being baptized, he continued with Philip. And seeing signs and great miracles performed, he was amazed. So Simon sees this is the real deal. that His stuff was uh, tricks of the trade. This is something that's real power, and it gets his attention. And when the apostles at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent to them Peter and John, who came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For he had not yet fallen on any of them, but they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. Now when Simon saw that the Spirit was given through the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money, saying, Give me this power also, so that anyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter said to him, May your silver perish with you, because you thought you could obtain the gift of God with money. You have neither part nor lot in this matter, for your heart is not right before God. Peter, so bold. Repent, therefore, of this wickedness of yours, and pray to the Lord that, if possible, the intent of your heart may be forgiven you, for I see that you are in the gall of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity. And Simon answered, pray for me to the Lord that nothing of what you have said may come upon me. Now when they had testified and spoken the word of the Lord, they returned to Jerusalem, preaching the gospel to many villages of the Samaritans. So let's pray and let's ask for God's help as we take a look at this and how we can learn from this and apply it to our lives today. So Lord Jesus, we thank you today that you're alive, and we just thank you for your written word, and we ask now, Holy Spirit, that you would come, that you would bring that illumination, that revelation that we need to see things from your perspective, and that God, you'd speak to us and change us, and we just want to be more like your Son, Jesus. So help us as we do this, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, so once again... Quite an interesting passage. You've got Philip going to Samaria. And as we looked at last week, they were expecting a Messiah. And Philip comes and he preaches about Jesus. Some of the things that we've just had shared this morning and that we've had in the content of our songs about how... And John had that great picture of this barrier that prevents us from getting to God. Like this big concrete barrier in a spiritual sense. And how we try all kinds of things to get to God and none of them work. They all fall short. So we can practice good works. We can think, well, if I'm just good enough, I can get to God. And sometimes we get involved in occultic things and we think, well, if I can just get into something supernatural, that will get me to God. We do all kinds of things and we realize none of them work. And it takes God to take the initiative who sent Jesus, who the Bible says gives us access to the Father. And that's what happens on the cross. He paid the penalty. He removed the barrier. All those incredible things that's good news, as Ben said, this morning. And that's what Philip preached. And people responded. They responded to this good news. And we're going to take a look at a couple of things that they responded to and how that, what that looked like here this morning. And the first one that they did, as they, but when they believed Philip as he preached good news about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized both men and women. So they were baptized in water. So we just want to take a few minutes to take a look at what it is as part of Being a follower of Jesus, of accepting Jesus as your Lord and Savior, there's a response that comes. And there's a response on the inside of our lives, but there's a response that happens on the outside as well. And baptism in water is one of those things. So let's just take a look at this. First of all, we see that baptism was commissioned by Jesus. So when Jesus returned to heaven, some of his last words to his disciples were this, Go, make disciples of all the nations. And he said this, Baptize them. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. We read that at the end of Matthew 28. And in Christian circles, that's called the Great Commission. We're commissioned to go and make disciples. And part of that is, we baptize in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And we see already in the book of Acts, Jesus' followers obeyed his command. So Acts chapter 2 at Pentecost, Peter preached, repent and be baptized. We saw a couple weeks ago, because Gary skipped ahead, Philip in the Ethiopian eunuch, the Ethiopian said, hey, there's water here. Why can't I be baptized right now after he believed in Jesus Christ? And we see all throughout church history, and church history is full of people giving their lives to fight for baptism in water. So if you go through church history, there's all kinds of Christian martyrs throughout the ages who gave their lives because they said it was important that baptism by water in immersion is valuable to the christian tradition experience okay so we have to realize that it's an important part of christianity and sometimes it can get left out and so that's why it's important for us and as we go through the book of acts you're going to see when people became followers of jesus christ they were baptized in water and philip makes the point even with samaritans it wasn't just for the jews so this is sort of the first cultural people group that aren't jewish that this is right at the beginning of sort of cross-cultural ministry, that baptism is included in it. So it's an important part of Christianity. It's commissioned by Jesus, and we want to be obedient to that. It's also this. It's connected to conversion. So, again, there's an inward part. So it's not just an external thing, not just hoops we jump through. There's an internal part. And Keith read out that scripture from 2 Corinthians 4 about how we can be this veil over us. So we don't get it. We can read the Bible. So I just don't understand it. But when the Holy Spirit comes and brings revelation, illuminates who Jesus really is, we say, now I get it. Okay, that's what the Holy Spirit does. There's an inward change. We call it conversion, regeneration. There's our part. We say, we confess with our mouth. We believe in our heart that Jesus is Lord. But it takes the Holy Spirit. Okay? Ben read out that scripture from Romans 5. While we are still sinners. And the Bible says "Well, we were still dead in our sins. A dead person cannot do anything. It takes an external source. We've said it many times. When you're dead, somebody's got to come with the paddles, put them on you. The electricity has to go through. Boom. You can't do it yourself. You can't say, okay, I'm over here. I'm just lying down. I'm kind of half dead. And uh, I'll just crawl over and I'll put the paddles on myself. You can't do it. You're dead. Okay, it's crazy. A dead person can't do anything. The Bible says spiritually we're dead. We're dead in our sins. We're separated, that barrier. We're dead. And guess what? We can't save ourselves. It takes an outside source. It takes Jesus Christ. And the Holy Spirit comes and regenerates us. That's what we as Christians call being born again. We're born spiritually. But the Holy Spirit now comes and lives in us. But baptism follows. It's connected. And it's really helpful. Paul also it says this in the First Corinthians 10, he likens baptism to what happened in the Old Testament with the Israelites fleeing Egypt. So, if you can remember a bit of your Bible history, Old Testament, remember Joseph went to Egypt, and God raised him up, brought his people there. It's a famine; he helped save them. But hundreds of years went by; the Jewish people flourished, and then a pharaoh came along who didn't know his history, and was jealous of all these Jewish people. And he persecuted and he put them in slavery. And God raised up a guy named Moses. Thank you from the back row up there. Just making sure you're paying attention. Okay. The prince of Egypt. He raised up Moses to come. And with signs and wonders. And finally Pharaoh relented. And do you remember what happened on the 10th plague? Okay. God told the Israelites, take a lamb, kill it. And you put the blood over the doorpost. And as the angel of death comes along, if he sees the blood, you're going to be saved. And that's what saved them. And Pharaoh said, get out of here. And he gave them gold and silver on their way. And then Pharaoh changed his mind, and he chased them to the Red Sea. And we have this incredible scene with Charlton Heston. At, for some of you who are over 50, okay, thank you for getting that joke. Okay, in the movie, Ten Commandments, okay, before the Red Sea, God tells Moses to raise his staff. The Red Sea opens and the Israelites go through on dry land and they get to the other side. Okay? There's a brief history that Paul compares baptism to that. Baptism does not save you. What saved the Israelites in the Old Testament? It was the lamb that was sacrificed and the blood over the doorpost. Okay? Baptism does not save us. Jesus Christ dying on the cross and us. He was the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. We believe that. That saves us. However, it was a great sign. When they crossed the Red Sea, what did they do? They were delivered and they left the slavery of the old life behind. And they started a new life on the other side. And Pharaoh and the old life no longer controlled them. They had a new life. And Paul writes this in Romans 6 about baptism. He says, Don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead to the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. So it's a great picture of what happens to us as Christians is that Jesus is the lamb who died. His blood covered our sin, paid the penalty, removed the barrier, removed the partition, broke the power of sin over our lives, all those incredible things. That's Jesus. John the Baptist said, this is Jesus, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And we put our trust in Him. We say, I'm with Jesus. Okay? I can't get right with God. But I'm with Him. Okay? I'm going to go with His test score. I'm going to go with His result. Because okay? I'm disqualified. I'm going to go with Him. And it's great. He scored 100%. I get His account to me. That's the good news of the Gospel. is That Jesus paid it, and we get to say yes to it but baptism is this okay? it shows as we go under the water and we just had a baptism here last month at Green Hill Lake Camp 10 baptized it was powerful it shows going under the water our old life is dead as Jesus died was put in the tomb we die our old self and when we're raised up we're raised to a new life the Holy Spirit now lives within us as Jesus was raised from the dead and now we're free from sin and slavery to now live our life to God so baptism's really important. It's powerful. It's a great witness. It's public. All those things. We're delivered to a new life. It's connected to our conversion. And baptism's also this. As I mentioned before throughout church history, it's costly. I've met many in our church, and if you were to start coming to church on Sunday, your friends, your family might say, well, you know, don't quite understand it, but that's okay. But if you tell them that you're being baptized... It changes everything. Going to church, one thing, being baptized is hey, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. What are you talking about? You're being baptized. So going to church is kind of acceptable, even though you might get teased about it or whatever. But when you say, "Hey, can you come to my baptism?", people go, "What is that?" It changes everything. And baptism is an obedience to Jesus Christ. And sometimes there's a cost to it. And depending upon your background, where you come from, we've talked to different people in our church who've come to Alpha and different things who are counting the cost. They realize, come from different cultures, different religions, that if I follow Jesus and I get baptized, I can't go back home. I can't go back to my country. I can't go back home to my parents. I'll be disowned. I could be killed. There's a cost to saying, when we're baptized, we're identifying ourselves with Jesus Christ. There's an identification that goes... With that. So we're not just ticking a little box on our senses that says we're Christian. Okay? There's a cost to it. I'm saying I'm identifying myself with the death and the life and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I'm marked now with Him. I'm lumped in with Him. And for many of us, there's a cost that comes to us. And in Samaria, it was the same way throughout church history. So baptism's a big deal. It doesn't save us, okay? Hear me. Okay, because I know we have many comes come from different backgrounds. You're christened as a baby, all those different things. And we believe baptism is a personal thing. When you receive Christ, you're baptized in full immersion. And your parents might have went well and all of that. And that's a whole other bigger topic. But here, we baptize full immersion. And we don't have a certain age group. When we feel you're able to understand sin, Jesus as Savior, following Jesus, then you're baptized. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Full immersion as we see throughout the New Testament. Okay. So baptisms in water is a key part of Christianity. And Philip made sure, you've got to remember Philip. He wasn't one of the original apostles, okay? He went, he was scattered, he was just doing everywhere he went, I'm telling the good news. Now what's interesting is what we go on to the next thing is this. There's also baptism in the Holy Spirit. And, man, when you read a lot of commentators, this gets really confusing. People get really confused about this section of Scripture because this question gets asked all the time, and commentators disagree everywhere. And it says, They sent to them Peter and John, who came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit, for he had not yet fallen on any of them. Then they laid their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. So the question is this, and for those of you who are Christians, you'll help You'll understand this a bit more. How can Is it possible for you to become a Christian, be baptized in water, and yet not be filled with the Holy Spirit? That's what the commentators are trying to figure out. And they're trying to figure out, okay, and one answer is, is this a unique situation? So many commentators say this, this is the first time Samaritans become Christians, and so it's a unique situation. So the Holy Spirit wasn't given yet, Because they wanted Peter and John, God wanted Peter and John to be there, to see it with their own eyes so it can be, in a sense, uh, um, what would be the right word? They could give some authority to say that these guys were really Christians and that they could be part of the church. And so some people believe the Holy Spirit wasn't given yet. It was just a unique situation. It's not the norm because they wanted Peter and John, who were with Jesus, to be there and to see it, and that's one of the explanations given, okay? Okay? There's a point to all this. Stay with me for this for a minute, okay? We're doing a little bit of church history. Other commentators think this. Is it a stage sort of thing? And so they go through, and they try to figure out, is it a one-stage, two-stage sort of thing? And you say, Joe Cromie, what do you mean by that? Okay, here's what I'm going to try to help you out. okay? Because it's coming to a point, because it affects what we do today. This is where we're going. Is it a one- or two-stage process? So some people believe this. So one stage, and... uh, So, I might as well put it up here because we've got Catholics, Pentecostals, evangelicals all kind of trying to figure this out. One stage is when you become a Christian, you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you receive the Holy Spirit all in one go. There's no other second getting filled with the Holy Spirit. And then you can get baptized in water at any point. That's sort of one stage. And a lot of evangelicals uh, would believe that today, from a Protestant point of view, is when you become a Christian, you receive the Holy Spirit, there's not like all in one go, and then you get baptized in water. Now, other people believe in sort of a two-stage, and it's very interesting because Catholics and Pentecostals you would not think go together, but they believe in a two-stage sort of thing. And that is you become a Christian, but then you receive, in a sense, a filling or a confirmation of the Holy Spirit later. So Catholics, okay, there's the whole baptism in water and everything, and then later on you get confirmed. And you get a bishop, lays his hands on you to confirm that you receive the Holy Spirit. Now that's not in all Catholics, but that's sort of mainline. And they take it from Acts 8. Peter and John were the bishops of the day. Okay? So bear with me. You're with me on that one. Pentecostals, many, you're a Christian, but then there's a second filling of the Holy Spirit where many believe the sign is speak in tongues, and it's a secondary thing. Okay? There's a very brief... 2000 years of church history uh not very um maybe well done but i'm just trying to give you a few of the things that are out there because you'll come upon this every day and it happens in our church about the holy spirit okay did i receive the holy spirit when i first became a christian you know and so the commentators are trying to figure out some of them believe these samaritans weren't christians when they were baptized so they maybe believed intellectually but it wasn't until peter and john came then they became a christian it's all kinds of confusing things. So here, what are we going to say? Today, this is what we believe. Okay? Repentance and faith always comes first. And then water, Holy Spirit, baptism can come in a different order. And we're going to quickly just take a look at all these examples from Acts. This is really important because this is the thing that affects our everyday life. So the question is, this is the big question. Are you filled with the Holy Spirit. If you're a Christian. That's what we're asking. And have you been baptized in water. In obedience to following Jesus. And we see in the book of Acts. This is where we land as a church. Okay? If you look at the examples in Acts 2. 8. Adam Landel is going to take a look at ch- chapter 9 next. Then we'll do chapter 10. And if we skip ahead to 19. Okay? This is what, how the pattern always goes. We preach Jesus Christ. Dying on a cross. resurrected, What he did. Everything I just did this morning. Lamb of God takes away our sin. We can't do it ourselves. We put our trust in him. God awakens us by his Holy Spirit because we are dead and we realize we have revelation now and say, I believe in my heart, Jesus is Lord. I confess with our mouth. That's repentance. I turn away from everything else. I put all my eggs in one basket. I'm going with Jesus. Okay? Repentance, faith, I become a Christian. Now, how this happens, baptism in water and in the Holy Spirit, You know what? There's great variety in the New Testament. That's a very freeing thing. So in Acts chapter 2, it's a bit of a unique thing. Jesus said, wait in Jerusalem till you receive power from the Holy Spirit. So the disciples gathered in the upper room. They waited. The Holy Spirit came. They spoke in tongues. They prophesied. Then they went out. That's one. It's kind of a unique situation because from now on, we don't have to wait. They had to wait. Now the Holy Spirit's given. Acts chapter 8, we just read it. Okay? I personally believe more in the whole you can become a Christian and the Holy Spirit resides in you. I believe, as we just read, they were Christians. They believed Philip's word. They were baptized in water. I don't think Philip would have baptized them if he didn't think they were genuine believers. But then they were filled with the Holy Spirit when Peter and John, maybe they just didn't understand, we're not quite sure, but we've had people in our church had that experience. I'm one of them. I believe I was a Christian when I was a teenager, absolutely, I understood the gospel, believed Jesus Christ, and I would say the Holy Spirit lived in me. But I wouldn't say I was filled with the Holy Spirit. I was more like we're going to see in Acts 19. I hadn't even really heard there was a, a Holy Spirit. It wasn't until years later her heard teaching on the Holy Spirit to be filled with the Holy Spirit, and I was filled with the Holy Spirit. It changed my life again. So I fall in that category. Acts chapter 9, I won't steal Adam's for next week. You're going to see Saul. Incredible experience with Jesus. And then you'll have to come next week to find out what happens to Saul. Right, Adam? Acts chapter 10, Cornelius. Peter goes, first Gentile. He preaches Jesus. And Cornelius and whoever is there are saved, filled with the Holy Spirit, and baptized in water all probably within like an hour. Okay, we don't know the time frame. But it's incredible. While Peter's still preaching, you know it had to be a miracle because he had to stop preaching because they... God was doing something. They believed Jesus. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. They got baptized in water, all sort of in one afternoon. And then we go along, and we can see different examples of people becoming Christians. They're baptized in water. Then they're filled or baptized in the Holy Spirit. Sometimes they're baptized in the Holy Spirit first. Then later, they get baptized in water. This is the most important thing. This always comes first. Repentance and faith always comes first the order between getting baptized in the Holy Spirit and being baptized in water can look a bit different. So we give some flexibility to that. At the end of the day, we want to say this. Have you been baptized in water if you're a follower of Jesus? And have you been baptized in the Holy Spirit? Have you been filled with the Holy Spirit? Jesus, Luke 3.16, we know John 3.16 is a famous one. Luke 3.16 is a famous one. John the Baptist said about Jesus that he's going to fill you, he's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit, and with fire. To be drenched, immersed, filled. That you know that you're a Christian. You know that God loves you. That you have boldness to be a witness. because Jesus said, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. To be my witnesses everywhere. And folks, you need power if you're going to be persecuted. You need the power of the Holy Spirit. Okay? If your life's in danger, if people make fun of you, all those different things, hard times come, you need the Holy Spirit. You were not meant to become a Christian, just to go then try to do it on your own. Jesus said, I won't leave you as orphans. I'm going to give you my comforter, my counselor, my helper, the Holy Spirit. It's good news. Okay? We don't have to live the Christian life. Good work, so I'm trying hard. I know I shouldn't do that, but I don't have any power. I think God gives us power to say no to ungodliness and yes to following Jesus, and he makes it a great adventure. Christianity should be the most exciting thing on planet Earth. Unfortunately, we don't represent that well. Most of the times, unfortunately, Christians can be quite boring. Okay? We should be full of life. So in our worship services, we should be okay, praising God because we have been set free. In our Christian life, every day, it should be, Holy Spirit, what do you want to do today? Okay, What do you want me to do today? Holy Spirit, speak. What do you want me to do today? I'm being scattered. Philip went everywhere. Look what happened to Philip. That was pretty cool. Okay? We can have that happen to us. As well. He's just an ordinary guy. The most important thing is are you baptized in water? Are you baptized in the Holy Spirit? And we believe it can look a bit different in the order. At the end of the day, are you? That's the question. So we're not like Pentecostals. We don't think, okay, you have to be speaking in tongues to show that you're baptized in the Holy Spirit. Okay? We believe you're baptized in the Holy Spirit when you know inside. Abba, Father, that I know, that I know, that I know, that God loves me, that his hand is on his life, that I'm adopted. Daryl prayed that out this morning, didn't he? Like, God, that we're your sons, that we're adopted the moment we believe, that we have power from on high, that, God, I get to serve you. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You have spiritual gifts. Some of them might be tongues, okay, but that's one of many. That's being filled with the Holy Spirit and obedience in water. Lots to look through, but it's really important. Philip was getting foundations, and Peter and John, early days, were getting the foundations to make sure baptism in water and being filled with the Holy Spirit, being baptized in the Holy Spirit, key essentials of Christian life. And then we have this. Simon, man, this makes us wonder, doesn't it? But Peter said to him, so Simon's like, obviously something happened, because this guy's used to magic, they were filled with the Holy Spirit, baptized in the Holy Spirit. And he's like, whoa. So something must have happened that he could see that he was like, where do I sign up? Like, how much does that cost? I want to go around doing that. Now, he, obviously, as we're going to see here, Peter says, but may your silver perish with you because you thought you could obtain the gift of God with money. You have neither part nor lot in this matter, for your heart is not right before God. Repent, therefore. So Peter, whoof, God gives him insight into Simon's life. And we realize... As, And the commentators, once again, they disagree on whether Simon was actually really a Christian or not. So, from what we just read, I think he was, personally. But many of them think, no, he couldn't have been, because he couldn't have had this. I come from it, I think he did. It says they believed, he was baptized like the rest of them. But it just proves this. When we become Christians, we still have heart issues, and we can have strongholds in our life. And we talked about this before, haven't we? So I won't get into it. But even as Christians, when we become Christians, we can still have heart issues that we need to deal with. And God loves us so much. He says he disciplines those he loves. That God wasn't going to let Simon just stay in his sin. And folks, when we become Christians, you know what? God doesn't hit Control-Alt-Delete. Okay? He doesn't hit the reset button okay, on our brain, on our emotions, on our minds. We are born again. We're made new. We're a new creation. However... There's a process that takes place of us having to renew our minds to God's Word. There's a process that we need to get freed up from some things. And we talked about last week about how we can have sometimes demonic spirits harassing us because we've opened up a door for them to have access to our lives. And we need to repent, as Peter said. We need to renounce. Keith read that out from 2 Corinthians 4. Paul said, I renounce secret and shameful ways. And so very quickly... And we do this all the time. So most of you here probably have gone through these things. Okay? There's different categories and areas of our life that when we become Christians, we need to kind of do a bit of an inventory spiritually, and we need to get rid of some junk from our lives. So a lot of us deal with rejection issues. So sometimes we were rejected in the womb. So, man, parents sometimes so cruel eh? to their kids. You know, you were an accident. You were a mistake. You know, wish you'd never been born. That's crushing stuff. And you can become a Christian, but you still got to get freed up from some of those rejection things. Bullying. Man, kids are mean. You hear it on the playground. My guys, I'm just like, oh. Okay? It doesn't take very long. Five years old. And just, I just, you know, the stuff that comes out. Rejection, rejection, rejection. You can be rejected by people in authority. You can be rejected by your siblings. You can be rejected by your parents. You can go through. That's an issue that can be a stronghold in your life. And the good news is this. As we apply the gospel. We realize Jesus experienced every one of those rejections. Jesus was rejected in the womb. They said ah. Okay, you're an illegitimate child. Yeah Mary. Conceived of the Holy Spirit. Right. They made fun of Jesus. Okay? Siblings. His brothers were jealous of him. Hey, all the different things. His peers rejected him. Everything. That's just a little snippet. My point being. You can become a Christian, and like Simon, you can still be quite messed up. Okay? But there's good news. Areas of unforgiveness, sexual sin, stuff that you've got to work through, the occult, you've got to get freed up from stuff, other idols that were control of your life. The good news is this. You can be free from the power of those things over your life. And this is it. The Bible says that God's kindness leads us to repentance. And the good news is this, you can maybe be scared off from this this morning by saying, well, you know, Simon, he was trying and look, God just nailed him. Okay? And you think, man, I know my life and God, I, I won't even bother because God knows my life. Okay? This is the good news. God always takes you where you are. His grace is amazing. So no matter what you've done, Simon, who was messed up, became a believer, baptized in water. Now here's the, it's the attitude of your heart. Okay. So if you come humbly and say, God, you know in my life I'm completely messed up. Or you come and you say, you know what, God? You know I've been trying to live a perfect life to get right with you. Both are, you're both far from God. If you're trying to do it all in your own good and you've got your house all in order and you think, God, you must love me because look how good I'm serving. i such a good little boy. Okay. You're as far from God as those who are into all kinds of different things. Grace is this, Jesus Christ says, I'm the way, the truth, and life. No matter how self-righteous you think you are or how far you think you are from God, you can come to me and I'll take you. But God loves us so much. The truth is, after we become a Christian, if we're still proud and we're still arrogant and we're still following false gods, God's going to put his finger on it. And God loves Simon, I believe, so much he put his finger on it right away. But Simon had the wrong heart issues okay remember he was full he's used to magic and what you paid money to get the secrets for magic so he's just following his old way of life and peter's just nailing him at the beginning saying this ain't about money and all those things we don't really know what happened to simon we don't hear the rest of the story but i think the good news for us is this no matter how messed up we are how good we think we have it all together god's grace is we can come to jesus And after we become a Christian, we still might have stuff to get rid of in our lives. And God can help us in a family. That's why he puts us into a body that we can help one another. Luke 3.16, you can look it up this week. John the Baptist said about Jesus, he will baptize you in the Holy Spirit and with fire. Fire burns, it cleanses. And how many times have I had to say this? Sometimes it's got to get worse before it gets better. So sometimes, physically, we do it. Eh? You go to the hospital, it's like, you know what? It's going to get worse before it gets better because we've got to do some stuff. That broken army head, it didn't set right. We're going to have to break it again in order for it to get really get healed. No! That's not what I want it to hear. Give me a pill. Fix me up. Send me back out. Make me better than ever before. Please! We don't want to go through the process of God getting it cleansed so that we, at the end of the day, can be whole, and a follower, a true follower of Him. God's kindness leads us to repentance. So the question is just as we're closing up, it always comes back to you and I today. Where do we fit into this story in our lives? We're a bit like Philip today. Okay, it might only be for an hour and a half or two hours, but you're hearing about Jesus, you're hearing about the kingdom of God, you're hearing some new things. You're hearing about water baptism, you're hearing about the Holy Spirit, you're hearing about repentance. Okay, turning away from all those things that used to control me and I used to find my satisfaction in and pleasure and now I'm finding it in God. So the question is, where are we today? Okay? And there's so many of us, we can't figure it all out this morning. But this is the good news. Okay? is you can take a bit of an inventory of your life and you can say, well, you know what? I don't even know Jesus. Well, that's, that's a good starting point to admit that. Some of you might be, you know what, I think I'm a Christian, but you know what, I've never been baptized in water. Well then, we need to talk about that. Some of you might be Christians and say, oh, I've been baptized in water, but I don't know. This baptism in the Holy Spirit, that's new to me. That was, that was my experience, so I can sympathize with you. Okay. Maybe you're like, you know what, I'm a Christian, I've been baptized in water, I'm filled with the Holy Spirit, but if I'm really honest, I've got the stronghold of sin in my life. And if God really put his finger on it, he, would be, he I'd be a bit like Simon, that maybe my motivations, even for Christian things, aren't good. Or maybe I'm jealous of this person. The question is this morning, as we come to pray, that hopefully someone in our church, you've got a friend, maybe you're here as a guest this morning, that you can talk to. As Ben said earlier, you can talk to us as leaders of the church in our small groups, things like that. In your life groups, you can talk about these things. The most important thing is God's kindness leads us to repentance and to truth. And this morning, I want you to know, God's kindness is here. He wants a relationship with you. He wants a relationship with you that is not hampered by sin and the things that weigh us down. He wants to set us free. He wants to give us the gift of his Holy Spirit Peter said, You can't pay for it. It's a gift from God. Salvation is a gift. Jesus, I receive this gift. Holy Spirit, your word says, okay, that if I ask, I'll receive the Holy Spirit. I'll be baptized. It's a gift. And God loves giving gifts. And this morning, there's gifts of salvation here, there's gifts of receiving His Holy Spirit. Our response is to be obedient. Jesus, I'm going to be obedient. I'm going to follow you. I'm going to be baptized i going to put a stake in the ground. I'm identified with you. Jesus, I believe from your word, you said you'd baptize me in your Holy Spirit. I need power from on high to live a godly life. I need power not to be ashamed of Jesus anymore. I can ask. Jesus, I want to be obedient, and I want to confess my sin, and I want to renounce it, and I want to repent and turn from it. I want to bring it into the light. I renounce secret and shameful ways. Folks, we can take an inventory today. And I'm going to lead us in a prayer, and I'm probably not going to have a huge uh, time for you to respond right now, although if your heart's thumping and you're like, I need to respond right now, we're not going to stop you, okay? You can come and talk to us now. But you might need to talk to a friend this week. You might need to talk to somebody in your life group this week. You might need to talk to maybe some of us. You can email us, Facebook us, or whatever, that we can help you walk through these things. Okay? So can I lead us in a prayer? Let's stand if you're able. And maybe I'll get John and the team to come. We'll do one closing song. You guys have done really well this morning. I know it's kind of hot and sticky in the middle of July. Well done. So let's finish strong. Let's pray. Let's just take a minute. We want God to be able to search our hearts, to know us, to speak to us. And then we can respond as well. Okay, so let me lead us in a prayer. We'll pray together, and then we'll sing, and we'll figure out where to go from here. So, Father in heaven, again, this morning, we thank you that you're real, that you're alive, and we thank you that you love us, that your word says that you are love, and that you are truth, and that you're holy, that you're set apart, and we thank you that you've removed the barrier, that we can have access to you, that we can actually call you Abba Father, because of Jesus Christ, and we thank you today that we get to profess as Christians that Jesus Christ is our Savior and Lord we thank you for water baptism that's part of conversion that identifies us with the life and death and resurrection of Jesus Christ we thank you for that you baptize us you immerse us in the Holy Spirit you fill us with your Holy Spirit so that we can know you that we can live a life that pleases you and we thank you God that your kindness leads us to repentance that you put your finger on areas of our lives that keep us in slave in slavery to sin that you want to get us right with you so that we can be free to follow hard after you. And Lord, you know every heart here this morning. You know where people are at. Some people are far from you. They don't know Jesus. I pray, Holy Spirit, would you reveal Jesus to them. I pray for people who are maybe wrestling with, do I really want to be baptized? I know that will be a sign that I'm a follower of Jesus. I pray, Holy Spirit, would you come and give them courage. Lord, I pray for those who might be confused about being baptized in the Holy Spirit. Would you come and bring clarity from your word? that you love and that you love to give the gift of your Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray for those who are struggling with addictions, Lord, with secret sin. God, I pray they would know your kindness, that you discipline those who love so that we might be set free and made whole to follow after Jesus. God, would you help us now to be obedient to you in any one of those areas. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.